We are in Hebrews chapter 2, just reading the first four verses. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for bringing us all here today uh, to worship you, Lord, to fellowship in your name, uh, but also to learn from you, to learn from your word. Lord, we ask that you would go with us as we journey into your word, that as Pastor Doug comes and shares with us that which you've laid on his heart, uh, that the message would speak to each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit today. Lord, we ask that you would help us to focus our hearts and mind on what you would have, that we may glorify you in all we say and do this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting that this week has been profitable for you both spiritually and physically, for if you were... But we are glad that you are joined with us today, and we trust that as we peruse through this book, not quickly, but we'll take our time to go through the book of Hebrews. It is once time has been called the second toughest book to understand fully as compared to the book of the Revelation. Which, by the way, if you're not with us on Wednesday nights, we would love to have you come because Wednesday nights we're going through the book of the Revelation. Dr. Harold Paul is increasingly leading us in the realms of, uh, no, he's a good doctor. He's a smooth operator. He's a good doctor. He's all right. And uh, our study is right now, we begin chapter 6. The opening of the seals. So you may want to come because uh, that is a very valuable study. Anyway, it is good to see you. Good to have you here this morning. As you know, a couple of mornings this past week, we have been warned by the national weather system that there was fog in the land. Their warning was is that to make sure you slow down, to make sure you take enough time to get to your destination as to not become a statistic, if you will, on the highway. Fog is one of those weather conditions that calls all types of road situations, such as limited visibility, loss of location, and unfortunately, if not hindered, even vehicle crashes. Fog disrupts our senses, even though it is only temporary, it's a temporary foe, but we find ourselves, sometimes we have to navigate through it in order to get to our ultimate destination. Fog is one of those unexpected events of life that interrupts our everyday plans and our routine. 
when we are driving in it, we may be wondering, is it worth the trouble of being out in this stuff? We may even consider packing it up and going back home, but even in that, we find ourselves, we're still driving in fog. Or maybe we shouldn't even leave until the driveway, until the fog lifts. In either situation, fog seems to be in control, and we are not. The book of Hebrews also speaks of a fog that we need to deal with. No, it's not a physical situation, though sometimes physical situations do play a part of it, but rather the fog that Hebrews refers to is a spiritual fog. A spiritual one. As commented on last week, life for these Jewish believers was not easy. Even to the consideration of these believers to go back to the old ways of living by neglecting such a great salvation. Life for these believers was a daily routine of disappointment, distress, and danger. Each day presented itself with what seemed to be less and less hope and more and more of what is the use. To them, the question of continuing in their faith was, is Jesus really worth following? That question, you may remember, is not new, nor is it only common to that period of time. Because throughout history, believers have asked the same question as they have had to face the fog of life. Health issues, financial issues, social issues, and even cultural issues have been in the grill of every believer who has and is struggling with, is Jesus really worth following? The book of Hebrews is a foundational book that wonderfully brings answers to that question as well as helps us to navigate through the fog of life. And so each of us can reach our ultimate goal. From last week, we saw that Jesus is worth following because in verses 1 down through verse 4, it says that God has given to him the reason that is worth following. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He has spoken to us through His Son. He is the creator of all that there is and He is the sustainer even by His own word. Is Jesus worth following? According to God the Father, you betcha. But we still find ourselves in the fog. We still find ourselves wondering, is Jesus worth following? This morning, it's the goal to highlight one more vital relationship that, of Jesus Christ that makes him worthy to follow. In verses 5, in chapter 1, 5 through 14, Jesus is compared to be greater than the angelic host. Now that's an interesting insight that the writer of Hebrews would introduce us to because we wonder, or at least can come to some conjecture, that the people at this time revered angels. 
They maybe had some statues of some of them in their homes. I, if present day, maybe they had a, a statue of one of them on the dashboard of their chariot. I don't know. But it would appear that they revered angels. Because as Pastor Steve read for us in chapter 2, they understood that what the angels had to say was life-changing and life-altering. And they paid attention to it. But now Jesus here is referred to as being greater than the angels. When you go through the book of the Revelation, as I'm sure some of you have read through that wonderful, wonderful book, you come to find out that there were times when John fell to worship an angel and the angel said, no, do not do that. Get up. I'm not the one worthy of worship. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And so this morning, I want to take one, just one more step, just one more instance that the writer of Hebrews highlights for us that makes Jesus worth following. It's in verses 10 down through verse 12. It says, And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish but you will remain. They will all wear out like clothing, and you will roll them up like a cloak. They will be changed like clothing, but you are the same, and your years will never end. That's a direct quote. If you have a concordance or a little bit in your Bible, that's a direct quote from Psalm 102. In Psalm 102, in verses 25 through 27, it is verbatim, if you can translate from Hebrew to Greek, it is verbatim what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. And in Psalm 102, it is a cry of help, the writer of that particular psalm. And yet he gets to that point that he is sustained, if you will, supported in realizing the creative act that is in God. There are three topics, three truths in these two verses that would draw our attention to the understanding and the reality that Jesus Christ is worth following because he is the creator and sustainer of all that there is. The first one is this, is that the Son is the creator of the universe. Jesus Christ is eternal and was before the universe came into being. Now that is crucial. This world did not evolve from whatever the scientists want us to believe. There was nothing at all, before the very first words that were penned on a piece of papyrus written to us by Moses where it says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. That phrase, in the beginning, John, the, the, the author of the Gospel of John, takes that and says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. What is he talking about? The eternality of our Savior. He was before 
anything was. You might remember that there was a topic that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees that got them all jacked up. For he said to them, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was talking about because then they begin to plot because he associated himself as God. Well, here's a news flash. He is. He is eternal. And let me let you in on another topic that maybe you haven't thought of lately. He was before you. He is now with you. And he's going to be here an awful lot longer when you go. He is eternal. In fact, even in the book of the Revelation, chapter 1, he says, I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is eternal. All that is evident in creation was designed by a creator who was past our understanding as being eternal. No one could put a light on the back of a bug as God did. No one could design a frog that during the winter is sustainably frozen. And yet when spring arrives, it awakes. No one could place trees in a certain region knowing full well that that's the only place they could survive. You cannot place a maple tree down near the equator. It will die. And you cannot put a palm tree in Herndon, Pennsylvania and think it's going to survive zero degree weather. Can I get an amen? All of creation speaks of this glory of its creator. And it all moves in its accordance. Always was, always is, and always will be. That's our Savior. Jesus Christ laid the foundation. The heavens and the earth have not always been because there's this wonderful, if you will, Latin word that says ex nihilo, meaning from nothing. They came into being when the triune God had said, let there be. And it was done. The second truth of this creative act that's described for us in verses 10 to 12 is this, is that our Savior presides over all that He's created. He rules it. He's the sovereign King. This particular verse, if you will, these verses do away with deism. Deism is the belief that, yes, God created everything, and then He just stepped back and let it go on its own. Our God doesn't do that. Our Savior resides over all of it. That's why the sun will always rise in the east and it will set in the, well, right now, southwest. 
sets in the west. That's why there's dew. That's why there's rain. Why? Because of God's grace. Changes are ever going on in the universe. My wife and I, just the other day, we go to a dentist down in Lebanon. Tommy Thomas. Who would, ever, who would name their son like that? Tommy Thomas. Anyway, he's our dentist. And when we went down there, every time we go down there, about every six months we notice things are changing. They just built this new French uh, clothing store down there called Targay. And the secretary, the receptionist there said, yes, it's a beautiful store, but we can't get people to work in it. But things are changing. When we spent years down there, it was like open fields. And, and now it's all changing. It's interesting, too, that our universe is changing. It's getting older. Have you noticed that? The older I get, the more I notice things like that. Our universe is getting older. I, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, as Paul writes for us in 1 Corinthians, when he says, all of the earth groans to be released. The groaning is becoming louder. The earth, mountains whom we looked at and thought could never be removed, sometimes explode. And are no longer there. Oceans are changing. You notice that? Oh, I, I must comment on this. If New York City is supposed to be, it was supposed to be flooded by now. Did you know that? It was supposed to be flooded by now, way back when one of our former vice presidents, who's made a whole lot of money on this new on this weather thing. Uh, said that certain year uh, New York City is going to be under two foot of water. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And if it was happened, why do some of the elite purchase homes near the ocean? My God's in control. The book of Genesis tells us that he separated the oceans by land so that they will never meet. They'll never meet. Does that mean that maybe they're residing? Well, the river Euphrates is drying up. Do you know that? It is drying up. The Mississippi River is drying up. Well, baffled by scientists, I'm sure. But guess, all of those changes, though, never affect the Creator. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is the great creator, and he resides over all of it. I love it when the scientists get pictures back from that billion-dollar satellite that they've sent out, and Jesus is sitting on his throne saying, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I made it that way. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's who I am. And, and they become accosted. Look how beautiful that is. Yeah, Jesus, I know. I made it. I know. Spring, with its fresh and youthful beauty, passes into the glowing and gorgeous summer. Can someone give me an amen on that right now? <laughs> yeah. 
mowing season. Yeah, baby, yeah. That's what it's all about. The heavens and the earth are growing old. And that time seems to be changing right before our eyes. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, superintends all of them. Nothing new causes him to be concerned. He has set it in motion and he guides it and he guards it for the wonderful that it is. You go back to the book of Genesis and there you find a beautiful statement where it says, I believe it's in chapter 6 of Genesis, where it says, God says, the sun will rise and it will set until time ends. God has put it in motion. What a great God we serve. He's the framer of all the laws of nature and the force of all her forces. He is the sustainer as well as the creator of the universe. And our gracious Savior and Lord is also the superintendent, the sovereign king of all that there is. The word sovereign literally means king. He rules. Nobody else. He rules. The third one is this. As it talks to us about how the earth is going to change and such as that, but Jesus Christ is unchangeable. Aren't you glad that he hasn't formed a new series for salvation? I am glad that what was established thousands of years ago by the plan of God came true on Calvary and then from Golgotha arose the only way of eternal life. I was reminded in this past yesterday as our men's group met in in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. As Peter and John are facing and asking, answering the questions, by what authority do you have to do these things? John or Peter says, There is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby anybody can be saved. Anybody. Our God is unchangeable. Our Savior is is unchangeable. He is the same, and we've repeated it often. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The radiance of God's glory still shines today. All of creation yells forth of the wonder of who He is and how He controls all that there is. Yes, Jesus Christ is the same in His being and His character. He is the same in His will and purposes. Do you know ultimately what the will of God is? I know what the writers of the epistle say. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. His will 
will not be stopped by the whims of man. What he has deemed to be, it will be. Oh, we've just come through a Christmas season upon which we celebrate that. To hear God in all of His glory sent forth His Son to be born of a woman, born of a virgin, given to man in order that through His death, burial, and resurrection we may have eternal life. Aren't you glad God didn't change His mind? That's His will. That's what He longs for. That's His desire. That individuals would come to know and understand the grace of our great God so that their sins can be forgiven and be guaranteed a home in heaven. This is what was escaping the Hebrews. They got caught up on the earthly things. And they forgot that as the writer of Hebrews reflects later on in this text, we'll get to that sometime in the year 2024. But he says, keeping your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy before Him laid down His life, endured the cross, paid the penalty, so that we might live. Our Jesus is unchangeable. He hasn't changed His mind as to the entrance of His kingdom. He has not changed His mind as to the design of this world. And He has not changed His mind for His purpose for us. And that is to give Him glory and honor and power dominion, both now and forevermore. He's the same knowledge, the same purpose, the same in affection and will not depart from you, nor will he covenant of his peace be removed. He's the same. And for the nation that was facing it this time, as the writer of Hebrews is introducing this thought to these people, he comes to chapter 2 with a warning. We're not going to have full time to develop this fully, but I want to at least cause a little salt to be thrown on your meat so that you want to take another drink from the text. There are two evidences of this warning. The first one is this. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. And the second reason is this. How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation oh i can't wait lord willing next week if if the rapture happens tonight is that okay with everybody well that was sort of a weak hallelujah let me tell you that if the rapture happens tonight is that going to be okay with everybody 
Amen. Hallelujah. But if it doesn't happen and we get to meet next Sunday at this time, we're going to fully develop these. We're going to need these like bread. We've got to bring out the yeast in here in order to see the clarity of what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. This is the first warning in all of the book of Hebrews. And it's a warning that we best pay attention to because if we do not pay attention to it, we will be like those who wanted to forsake their faith and go back to the old ways. I'm having too much fun in the new ways. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the, the realm of clogged up minds. I would like to go back to better knees and, and, and a better hip. I, I'd love that, but I don't want to go back. There is so much to press forward. So much for the Lord Jesus Christ wants to reveal to us in His Word and His purpose for us. Dear people, don't become weighed down with trouble. If it's one thing I could leave you with this, it it's, would be this, just to encourage you. Jesus is coming again. We may not get through 2023. Would that be okay with everybody? <laughs> be okay. I like that. Amen. Let the children be teachers to the adults. Amen. Well, now you got quiet on me. What's... Jesus is coming. We have so much to look forward to. So much of His glory to see in this text. And the writer says, don't get weighed down with wanting to go back. Pursue. Keep going. Because in Christ, it's really worth it all. Would someone help me with an amen? Let's pray together. God, Your gift to us Everything else pales in that. For you sent forth your Son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. In Him is life. In Him is peace. In Him is strength. In Him is the joy of being able to continue on even as the days may very well grow dark. And we find ourselves, even as these first century Christians who began to contemplate, who began to wonder if going back to the old ways would be better for them. But the writer of Hebrews, instructed by Holy Spirit, empowered by God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, has told us that Jesus Christ is well worth the trouble. We've only begun to scratch the surface of this great book, O oh Lord God. Even this morning, we realize that even though the world around us may be caving in, even though we may find ourselves in situations 
of life that don't seem to have any answer or end, yet in that still, our God reigns. And Jesus Christ is still the way, the truth, and the life. And this life as a believer is worth living because of all that the Savior has done for us. Oh Lord God, thank You. Thank You for the attention of these people. And I ask, oh Lord God, that through this week, Your blessing of Your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit will be their portion and strength each and every moment of each and every day. That as they come to the end of each day, they can ultimately look to heaven and say, thank you, Lord God, it's worth it all. And so, Lord, we ask that as we continue our pursuit of the truths of this book, that our focus would be the focus that the writer has put on us, and that is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, suffered the pain, and yet now is seated at the right hand of the Father on high. Glory to You, Lord Jesus. I pray Your blessing upon these people this morning, throughout this week, that their comfort would come from You, their joy would be exhibited through them, to You, and that life would be a reward to be lived for You. And we'd be careful to praise You in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen. May we stand, please, for the benediction and dismissal.